Joshua chapter 19. We're going to concentrate this evening on the first nine verses, and uh, stay with me. Uh, This is a powerful passage of Scripture. We're going to read it, and you're going to go, oh, wow. This is, this is, this is gonna be bad. This is really an exciting nine verses and has a great application to us and I hope uh, that you'll be encouraged. Uh, we're going through the inheritance, God's dividing up the land, and tonight we've come to Simeon. Simeon's gonna get his inheritance, but it's gonna be different. It's gonna be different. We're in uh, Joshua chapter 19, verse 1. The second lot came forth to Simeon. Even for the tribe of the children of Simeon, according to their families and their inheritance, are within the inheritance of the children of Judah. And they had in their inheritance Beersheba and Sheba and Modalah and Harzasol and Bala and Azam and Eltolad and Bethuel and Horma and Ziklag and Bermakaba and Harzashah and Bethlehemah and Sheriwath. You should, you should be glad you're not reading this, right? <clears throat> Thirteen cities, the different, and their villages. Ain, Raman, Ether, Ashan, four cities and their villages. And all the villages that were round about these cities to the Berlabera, Aramath on the south, this is the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Simeon, According to their families, out of the portion of the children of Judah was the inheritance of the children of Simeon. For the part of the children of Judah was too much for them. Therefore, the children of Simeon had their inheritance within the inheritance of them. This is different. It's a different distribution this evening. And I hope uh, that the Bible truth will not be lost on you uh, tonight. The title of the message is this, Exactly What You Need. Exactly What You Need. And let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help me to be a blessing to your people. They've come tonight on purpose. They want to hear from you. They want to learn something from your word. Uh, They need something that will help them. And I pray that the text and the Bible study uh, this evening will be a help to them and an encouragement to them. They'll walk away with something tonight and they'll say, "Boy, Boy, we didn't see that coming. And what what a blessing your word is. And we ask for you to speak to our hearts. Father, for that man or woman or child who does not know you as their Savior, we pray that they would realize that they're a sinner and that you provided the solution on Calvary's cross and they come to you for salvation and they need not fear the wrath to come. And we'll praise you for what you do tonight in every heart as we look to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Joshua is a book of battles, victories, uh, defeats, faithfulness. Uh, Jericho, we saw sin, and Achan took of the accursed thing. And after that, the, the defeat at Ai, and what did we learn from that? The way forward, when you've, when you've messed up. And God pretty well clearly defined that. Every week I chat with people who are living in victory and defeat. It might be someone from the congregation here. It might be someone that I've met at McDonald's or 7-Eleven or Krispy Kreme and <clears throat> sit down and talk with them. And uh, the, you're not alone. Their banter is, is much the same as, uh, as everywhere. And they'll say, I, I don't go to church anymore. Oh, I don't go to church. Well, uh, I'm, I'm kind of mad at God. I'm living in de- defeat. <clears throat> 
uh, both extremes. And then there's a person that says, oh yeah, I'm on top of cloud nine, everything goes right for me, nothing ever goes wrong, I'm living the dream uh, kind, kind of thing. <clears throat> Defeatists are probably not here tonight. Or most evenings. Because they live in defeat. You'll find them under the circumstances. Satan has isolated them. Uh, we have uh, military men in the congregation. You talk to any military uh, man, and you'll find out that a great battlefield objective is to isolate the enemy. And if you are isolated, you are cut off from communications. You're cut off from your supply line. Uh, you've been surrounded. Uh, you are probably going to die on the battlefield. That is a terrible thing to become isolated. That is one of, I mentioned it this morning, I've mentioned it a lot recently, I'll mention it again this evening, one of Satan's best battlefield tools is to isolate you. To make you think that you're the only one that's going through a difficult circumstances. Nobody in the world has any problems at all. And if he can isolate you, he can defeat you. Isolation leads to discouragement. Discouragement causes you to say, what's the use? And this is not the message this evening, but I'll just say, parents, be careful that you are not an unwitting tool of Satan in raising your children. Where in the world did that come from? It comes from discouragement. The Bible tells us in two different places, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And then again to the church at Colossae, uh, God said in the third chapter, the 21st verse, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Because what happens in discouragement? They say, what's the use? You want to know why children walk away from the gospel, from church, from the things of God? Because they become discouraged to the point where they say, what's the use? Why live? Why go to church? Why try to serve the Lord? Hasn't worked out very well for my mom and dad. They're always defeated and isolated and discouraged. Why should it be any different for me? So be careful, mom and dad. And we're in Joshua chapter 19, Simeon, Simeon is the tribe, and as we have gone through the division of the land these last several weeks, we have pointed out corners and posts, and any good survey is going to have a line, a mark, a cornerstone, a pin, something that designates the corner, the boundaries of the property. As you get to chapter 19, you'll notice this is different. For there are no boundaries. Simeon is receiving an inheritance within an inheritance. It is Judah's inheritance, and Simeon's being kind of dropped there. And the Bible mentions 13 cities. Simeon was given the cities. And you, you look at that and you go, well, that doesn't seem fair. But it's in accordance with God's word, and we'll show you back in Genesis in just a few moments. <clears throat> Blessings. So here's Simeon. They're crossing Jordan like everyone else, and God's got a plan for them. Now listen, you can live in the past, you can live on the other side of Jordan in the world, and what uh, where you're comfortable as Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. 
that said, hey, uh, this is a great place for cattle, uh, Numbers chapter 32, and we have cattle, and we want our inheritance here. And uh, Moses and God said, oh, okay, we'll let you have your inheritance there. It wasn't what God wanted for them in his perfect plan, but it is what they decided they wanted. And as we mentioned, they were the first to fall. Why? Because they were on the outside, on the outskirts, on the fringe. Never a good place to be. So here's Simeon. Uh, Simeon's got some interesting traits that we'll see in just a moment. But God is going to use them in an interesting way with an inheritance, within inheritance, to conquer these cities uh, for him. Uh, Simeon, they, they, were, they were warriors. Uh, they were brutal. They were fierce. And God is going to use them and bless them to be a help to their brothers, to, uh, to, to Judah. They, were, they could require uh, of, of any warrior to be able to spot the enemy, to be able to identify them, to be able to see their plan of attack, and to have uh, the ability, the resolve to deal with that head on. And Simeon, uh, that, it was their nature uh, to do that. <clears throat> they could spot the enemy, they could fight, they could defeat the enemy, but in order to do that personally, you've got to stop living in the past. You've got to stop saying, uh, well, that, that doesn't work, that didn't work for me, I tried that, I can't do that. You've got to go on, uh, you've got to live as if the reality is this, that God loves you, where you are tonight has not taken God by surprise, God has a plan for your life, and it's going to be different than anybody else's. God is going to bless them differently. But he is blessing them fairly, and he is blessing them according to his word, and he's, and he's using them with their specific nature and their talents to do some special things. Uh, Simeon's west of Jordan. They're the eighth tribe to receive their inheritance. And you may be here tonight thinking, oh, he's got theirs, and they got theirs, and they got theirs, but here I am, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and number eight, like I'm not important. Uh, you are important. And God will bless you in your time, in his way, that is in accordance with his word. Turn with me uh, to Genesis uh, chapter 29. Uh, Genesis chapter 29. <clears throat> in order to understand what's going on in Joshua, it's important to understand what's going on in Genesis. Genesis, the 29th chapter. <clears throat> Verse 1. Then Jacob went on his journey and came into the land of the people of the east. And he looked, and behold, a well in the field, and lo, there was uh, three flocks of sheep laying by it. Out of that well they watered the flocks, and a great stone was upon the well's mouth. And in chapter 29, we're introduced to a man named Jacob. You know Jacob and Esau. And uh, Jacob saw a girl that he, that he liked, and he said to, to Laban, the dad, he said, uh, Laban, I, I want uh, Rebecca to be my wife. And he said, okay, work for seven years. And so he did, and uh, instead of giving, he gave him Leah. Now Leah was a kind of sickly. Uh, Aaliyah um, wasn't a, a little despised, if you will. Uh, she was 
not beautiful to look at. And that's not what Jake, that's not what he wanted. But that's what he got. <clears throat> and he was tricked into marriage, uh, versus that marriage, uh, with, with Rachel. And so, uh, I just say, you may be in a family, you may be in a marriage, you may be in a ra- relationship where you think, you know, my, my husband doesn't love me. And so here's Simeon, he's coming, he's coming as a result of a, a marriage that Jacob is kind of uh, forced into that, uh, and, and really his love is, is for Rachel. His love is not for Leah. And God saw that. And as a result, God opened Leah's womb and she bare a child. And that child's name was Simeon. And that's the result of that. Now, you may be here tonight and, again, be in a home. You're, you, you may be in a home where your mom and dad don't love each other. can't imagine that. You can still be blessed of God. You may be in a home where... Uh, dad doesn't love mom. Mom loves you, and dad doesn't really care about you. Uh, he's there. He's the dad, but he's kind of absent. God's still got a plan for your life. He still does. Uh, you may be here tonight, and you may be playing sickly and uh, feel a little bit uh, despised and dejected. But God's still got a plan for your life, and he can still use you. You may be here tonight and be beautiful and vibrant as as Rachel was, and and think that God has left off from blessing you, and God God opened Rachel's womb, and she bare uh, children as well. <clears throat> you do not have to have a perfect home and a perfect home life to be blessed of God. If, if you don't learn anything else from Simeon, you should learn this. You do not have to have a home that is perfect in order to be blessed of God. You don't have to have a past that is perfect to be blessed of God. You don't have to be beautiful uh, to be blessed of God. You can be sickly, deprived, depressed, and discouraged and still be used of God if you'll allow God to do that. There is no such thing as a perfect home. Mrs. Bishop and I do not have a perfect home. I have my faults. You go to Mrs. Bishop after the service, she can probably tell you what they are. Brother Ray has his faults. And Miss Eden's been away in the Philippines. She came back, and uh, I'm sure she's identified most of them. <clears throat> Things that fell into disrepair while she was gone. Uh, she, she's identified them. None, none of us are perfect. Brother Ray doesn't have a perfect family. I don't have a perfect family. My children are not perfect. They do not have a perfect dad. But God has blessed us, and God has used us, and God will bless you, and God will use you if you will follow him and keep his commandments. So Simeon's background is a mess. His dad did not love his mom. But God is still going to bless him. He is no less important to God. Everybody is important, and everybody has their own unique traits. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 49. Genesis chapter 49. Genesis 39, we're introduced to Jacob. In Genesis chapter 49, we're going to get a little preview of what is going on in Joshua. We're in Genesis 49, verse 1. And Jacob called his sons... And said, gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. 
Gather yourselves together and hear, ye sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel your father. Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might, uh, and the beginning of my strength, and the excellency of my dignity, and the excellency of power. (laughs) Unstable as water, uh, thou shalt not excel, because thou wentest up to thy father's bed, and then defiledest thou it. Uh, He went up uh, to my couch. Verse 5, Simeon and Levi are brethren. In instruments, notice how God describes them. Instruments of what? Cruelty. Now, that does not sound like a positive quality. Instruments of cruelty are in their habitations. O my soul, come not thou into their secret, unto their assembly, mine honor. Be not thou united, for in their... What's the next word? Anger. So we've got cruelty, and we have anger. Uh, They slew a man, and in their, what's the next word? Self-will. Self-will, they dig down a wall. So here we have, they're cruel, they've got anger problems, they're self-willed. Verse 7, cursed be their anger, for it was, what's the next word? Fierce. So it's not just your average everyday anger. Uh, These guys got some serious problems. Uh, It was fierce, and their wrath, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Here are their traits. And you'd look at that and you'd go, there, there is no hope for these guys. But God, God's going to bless them. God's going to give them inheritance, an inheritance within an inheritance. And you have qualities that I don't have. We have our, our deacons and they are all, they are all different. And they have qualities and they have wisdom in areas that I don't have. And we get together and the, the men will get together and they'll, we'll work out a problem and we'll talk about it and we'll brainstorm and every one of them will come up with a, a different aspect of that problem and the, all of us together will come up with a proposal that is balanced. Not because of how wise any one person is, but everybody brings into the room a different set of personality, experience, expertise that when put together is a great blessing to the church family. And I'm thankful for that. If every, the Bible puts it like this in the New Testament, if everybody were a foot, where would be the mouth? Everybody were a mouth, uh, who would, who would do the walking? Everybody was a foot, who would do the talking? And we can't have everybody on, on the piano, not everybody, uh, sings because everybody sang, who would do the listening? And everybody can't teach, but some can teach and some can work on the piano, and I'm thankful uh, for the nursery workers that take care of the children, if I never had to uh, watch another child again, uh, that, would be, that would be fine, fine with me. Uh, uh, diapers, I don't do that. I'd, I'd call, I'd call grandma. <laughs> I'd call mom and say, "Hey, uh, your kid's got a problem." And when the kids were growing up, I, I'm, I wasn't a, a diaper changing uh, kind of guy. Not something I enjoyed doing. And uh, we had a, a policy in our house: if you found it, you changed it. Now I, I've been blessed. Uh, with a, a strong nose, and, and the child would come over to me, and I go, 
I say, you go, you go climb up in your mother's lap. You give her a big hug and kiss and you tell her that you love her. And so that child, little ones would go over, they'd climb up in mama's lap and they say, oh, mama, I love you so much. You're the best mommy in the whole world. And Mr. Bishop, Mr. Bishop, she would go, oh, thank you. I love you too. You're so. She said, you're dirty. And then she looked at me and she'd say, you knew it. And i go, you found it, you change it. <laughs> I'm thankful. And we all have our strength. We all have our weaknesses, the things that we like to do, the things that we don't like to do. Not everybody can do the same thing. I was talking to somebody just recently and they said, I couldn't, I couldn't do elder care. I couldn't do that. Several years ago, uh, Mr. Rowland took care of not just one parent, but he took care of most, both parents, mom and dad, at the same time. Now, Mr. Rowland was not a perfect character by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, he, had, he had some weaknesses. But I'll tell you what, after he took care of mom and dad for the better part of two years, I said to him, Mr. Rowland, I have an admiration and appreciation for you that I never had before. You've done, I don't think I could have done what you have done. I know your parents are greatly blessed by that. Elder care is a difficult thing. Child care is one thing. Elder care is another. And maybe you're not geared for that. But God will use you and your talents to serve him and to bless you and to bless others if you'll let him. If you'll let him do that. New York City man, Kelvin Bautista, 38 years of age, was coming over the New York border just recently. Something just didn't seem to be right. And so they pulled him out of the line and for, a, for more of a, an, an intense interview, and they found that he had not one, not two, but three Burmese pythons in a, in a sack tucked into his tucked into his trousers. Now I'll just say I would never do that. I wouldn't do one. I, I, you read about Burmese python, and here's what it says: dangerous to humans. And he was sneaking three in, and he had them tucked in his trousers. It just doesn't seem like too smart of a guy to me. But I'm thankful, and maybe you're thinking, I w- boy, I'm glad I don't work on the border. And that's not a place where you'd like to be. But aren't you thankful that we have border people that work on the border, that ask those questions and have that instinct to be able to pull people out of line and say, listen, you've got something that going on that's not right, and they're able to pinpoint that and able to see that. Some people have that gift. Other people don't. We're all different. God bless them divinely, although differently. God also blessed them uniquely because, as we see in chapter 49, these qualities, verse 5, 6, and 7, cruelty, anger, self-will, fierce, wrath, cruel, it made them amazing warriors on the battlefield. If you were going into battle, Simeon, Simeon's family was a family you wanted backing you up. I remember several years ago when I was in police work, one of the guys got called in, internal affairs, and as a result, he, he worked in Area 850, I was in Area 860, and so they called me in to internal affairs because they were looking to get, uh, they were looking to fire this guy. And they said, what can you tell me about this guy? I said, he's a fierce warrior, and if I've, if I've got to have backup, he's the guy I want there. 
And they go, really? I said, absolutely. He said, well, what about this person? I said, no, I'd rather not have that person. As a matter of fact, I said, if that person is this, and now that was the preferred person that they wanted to work on the department, that kind of person. I said, as a matter of fact, if that person gets dispatched to back me up, Scott, who is area 850, Scott, when he hears that on the radio, Scott automatically comes to back me up. And I'll tell you what, if, if Scott's got to stop and that person is dispatched to back him up, I'm going to help Scott uh, because Scott's there for me. Uh, he, was, he was a fierce, intense warrior on the battlefield. And I knew if things were going to go bad, he was the guy that I wanted next to me. Simeon was that kind of guy. He was a guy you wanted next to him, next to you. He was not afraid to go hands on. And but here in Joshua chapter 19, he is given an inheritance, verse nine, within an inheritance. Uh, just kind of interesting. <clears throat> Where, what is he given? Again, not not a country, not a not a piece of land necessarily. He's given the cities, and that is his inheritance. So I ask you this evening, are the cities important? They absolutely are. They absolutely are. Chicago, New York City, Baltimore, Richmond, uh, Northern Virginia, we would certainly be considered uh, the city. We, there's nothing rural about where we live. And I'm glad that there are preachers and pastors and churches that are in the inner cities, and we need them. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, 60, 70 years ago, churches that were in the inner cities of Washington, D.C. and Chicago and Baltimore made the decision to move out of the cities and to go into the suburbs, out into the rural areas where land was cheaper, crime was lower, it was easier. And what is the result today? Uh, We have, by and large, lost the inner cities, uh, to the gospel. There is a dearth of gospel-preaching churches in the inner city. The rural places of America tend to be a bit more conservative. They tend to vote a bit more conservative. But it is the cities. In Virginia, it would be Fairfax County, Richmond, the Tidewater region. They carry the votes in Virginia. Why is that? Because that's where the people are. And those areas are important. And it's important for us to reach those areas with the gospel, not to abandon them. So I ask you a question this evening. Are you a Simeon? Mrs. Bishop, as I, I greet folks, I tell them Mrs. Bishop and I are farm kids from Michigan, and that's where we're from. We were raised in a rural community. Uh, I was raised on a farm outside of town. The nearest town to me was a mile away. Uh, We were a mile south of town, and uh, that town was 1,235 people. Uh, Mrs. Bishop, the nearest town to her, was uh, five, six miles, and uh, that town was right about 300 people. I mean, big metropolis. Uh, my, my city, still to this day, uh, does not have a, a stoplight. They do have some stop signs. But there's no, no traffic light. Uh, the city, they're, they're, your town of 300 Peck, do they have a stoplight? No. Oh, I'm sorry. Melvin. <clears throat> no, no stoplight in Melvin. A grocery store? A gas station? No. Uh, post office. Oh, yeah. 
just, just not a lot there going on. Uh, and, and we, we, we grew up there. We, a love of the country. But God knew that we could survive in the city. And so God dropped two country kids here in the middle of the big city. There's more people in my neighborhood than there are in the whole town where I grew up. But not everybody can do that. God's got a place for you to serve him. Joshua chapter 19 is prophecy fulfilled. Prophecy fulfilled in that it is an inheritance and inheritance. Again, going back to Genesis chapter 49, God said uh, to Simeon, I'm going to give you a a, a part, a a place, a city within a city. Where do the warriors go? That's a good question. The first census of Simeon, there were 59,300 warriors. In the second census... Simeon boasted 22,200 warriors. Now you tell me, where did the warriors go? Where are the workers? Where are the people that will say, I'm going to build a Sunday school class, I'm going to reach people for Christ. The warriors, the numbers are going down as the census goes down. And here we are in 2024, and if we were to take a census of Christians who are willing to take the gospel to the inner city, we would get replies of, well, it's dangerous there. Well, yeah, it is. Uh, Maybe we need somebody who is, going back to Genesis chapter 49, maybe we need somebody who's a bit cruel, anger, self-willed, fierce, and and wrath uh, to go to the inner city. Somebody that's got some resolve to say, I'm not afraid of the evil, and I'm not afraid of the danger. I'm, I'm going to take the gospel where it needs to go. <clears throat> there, there was flat land, flat land with the Amalekites that needed to be conquered. And God put Simeon there. God put Simeon there because in the city, in that flat land with the Amalekites out there, he needed somebody that had a battlefield mindset that could say, uh, da, da, that group coming over there, they look hostile. Those of you that have been in Afghanistan, Iraq, in the city environment where the battles have been going on, you understand probably better than most in the room the benefit of having somebody in your group that has an eye for danger. And they can say, those guys are okay. This group is okay. I keep my eye on that group right there. Able to see that. Simeon was able to see that. God was able to take their unique ability, what we would say is a handicap, and turn it into something great for him. So I just say that to say this. Stop comparing and start claiming your ground. Stop saying, well, God didn't bless me like he blessed Judah. And God gave me an inheritance and inheritance with this city stuff. And just serve God in the area where he put you. Serve God with the talents that he has blessed you with. And stop comparing yourself to what God has given to others or the talents that God has given to other people and use what God has given you for his honor and his glory. Rendon, Dietzman, 
32-year-old Texan is in the news. He drove from Colorado Springs to Denver on Interstate 25 in 20 minutes. Now, that doesn't mean a thing to me until I found out that the trip normally takes an hour. And Rendon was on a motorcycle. Now, traffic was still taking an hour to get there. But Brendan being on a motorcycle, uh, he didn't have to stay in the traffic. Well, you're supposed to, but he didn't. He was on a motorcycle. So sometimes he was dodging in and out of cars. Sometimes he was driving on the shoulder. Sometimes he was driving on the inner shoulder. Uh, sometimes he was going off the ramps and, and coming up uh, the on-ramps. He was doing all kinds of things. His average speed was 125 miles an hour. He did it in 20 minutes. <clears throat> blessed uniquely? Uh, no, blessed with prison time. Blessed with prison time. You should do what you do as you serve the Lord. You should do it within the confines of what is right. First Peter chapter 4 tells us that, the 14th verse, If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glory, glorify God on his behalf. So serve the Lord, and do it. Do the right thing in the right way at the right time. God will bless you. Not only did God bless them divinely or differently, if you will, not only did God bless them uniquely with the cities, but God blessed others through them. I would like to think that our, the families of Alexandria are blessed because of the buses that go into their communities. I would like to think that going into the school to do a Bible club is a blessing not only to the staff, but to the parents. I don't, I don't know that they realize that. I don't know that they ever will. And they don't have to. But there's just something about going into the school system and teaching children that they should be, that they should be obedient and obey that is beneficial to everyone, especially our society. Use the talents that God has given you uh, to serve the Lord. And God will use you to be a blessing to others. Walk in, be in obedience, and God will use you to be a blessing to others. In Judges chapter 1, verse 4, verse 17, Judges chapter 1, verse 3, Judah needed help. Who did Judah call? Judah called Simeon. Judah called Simeon. Now listen, if it was Christmas, or Easter, or birthday, or Fourth of July, and it was family picnic time, and you wanted a picnic that was uh, free of fighting, okay, maybe you wouldn't want to invite Simeon to that. But I'll tell you what, your back's against the wall, and people are breaking into your house, you might want to call Simeon. He was the guy to call. Judah humbly asked, and Simeon graciously responded, I'll be there. Now, I'll tell you, Scott, uh, going back to, to, to my police days, uh, Scott, uh, he didn't come to church with me. Ch Scott was not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Scott didn't want to hear me talk about salvation and sin and things of that nature. But when I got on sideband and say, Scott, I got a bad feeling about this one, he'd say, Bishop, I'm on the way. I'm on the way. And I had confidence that he was coming. I didn't have confidence in others that they were coming. Matter of fact, I knew that from time to time, uh, people just wouldn't show up. They just wouldn't show up. Why? Because it was dangerous. And they'd find other things to do on the way. I was in uh, Herndon, and I was outside of the Days Inn there, on uh, part, or just off of uh, Parcher Avenue, and I was going, and as I was going, my backup said, <clears throat> um, I'm going to make a traffic stop. Now, it was a, it was a pretty big event, and uh, so he made his traffic stop. I got there, and there were, there were roughly 300 kids uh, that, were, that were rioting at this location. I was there all by myself. And I said, what did you do? I went, and, and back then the radios didn't work very well. I went inside and got behind the desk. Uh, with the with the clerk, and they well, what, what's going to happen? I don't know. What did you do? I picked up the phone and dialed nine one one. Police and fire. What's your emergency? I said this is uh, uh, this is uh, eight eight hundred Adam, and I'm at the Days Inn. And they said, why did you use the radio? Radio doesn't work. And I'm up here, and I need help. And they said, we have no backup to send you. I'm looking out the front door, and there are two groups of uh, there are two groups of kids on the police car, and the and they're rocking it back and forth. They're going to tip that thing over and tip it upside down. Uh, where were you? I was in where it was safe. <clears throat> and what had happened? Uh, my backup said there was something more important than my life. I remember the next shift. That was the first of our tour, four-day tour. And the next shift I came in, I called by a guy by name, and I said, thanks for backing me up last night. And the lieutenant was standing there, and he said, well, you know, I had other things going on. And the lieutenant said, well, you know, what, what he did was important. I said, I tell you what, you come to my funeral and you tell my wife uh, that, that doing what you did was more important than my life. I'm sure she'll agree with you. You tell my kids that no longer have a father, that their, that their dad's life wasn't important, that what you were doing was more important than my life. You go tell them. I'm sure they'll understand. And the tenant says, oh, man, Bishop, calm down, calm down. You never get upset like this. That guy almost got me killed last night. Some people can't be depended on. Simeon could. Can you be depended on? Can others in the church depend on you to stand up for right and to stand with them? Or do you cower and say, boy, that looks dangerous. That doesn't look like that's going to end so well. You know what? Uh, hey, uh, uh, I, I know... Uh, that I like you, and, and I know we go to church together, but hey, you're on your own on this one. I'm, I'm not going to back you up on that. I, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay where it's safe. Really? We need some Simeons who will stand up and say, "Hey, you can count on me here in the inner city of Alexandria. You can count on me to go to the inner city of Washington D.C. You can count on me." to be a part of an inner city ministry in Chicago or Seattle or Spokane. All the inner cities are crying for warriors to be in the battle. Will you be one? Will you be one? Who wins as a result? Well, when Judah went to Simeon and said, hey, we're being attacked, will you help us? They both won. Judah won because they had a Simeon helping them, and Simeon won because they have the enduring appreciation and an inheritance as a result. God looked at Judah's inheritance and said, wow, uh, Judah's going to do this, but uh, Judah does not have the resolve to handle those cities. 
but Simeon does. And I'm going to, do, I'm going to put Simeon in inheritance within an inheritance right here at this time. Again, didn't catch God by surprise. God got a plan for you right here, right now, right at this time. The question is, will you go? Will you go to battle or will you run from battle? Will you embrace the challenge or will you run from the challenge? Will you say, here am I, send me? Or will you say, "Uh, no thanks, send somebody else? Simeon said, God, that's what you've got for us. That's what we're going to take. And we're going to be a blessing to Judah. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Uh, Preacher, I have my hang-ups. I have my unique oddities. I I might describe myself as having some personality disorders. The heart of Simeon teaches us that God will lead you to victory and blessing if you'll follow him, if you'll be obedient to his will and to his word. The question is, will you do it? You're here tonight, you're a Christian, you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, but God is calling you to an inheritance that is bigger than you are. And you don't see how you could possibly do it. And you don't even understand what God is doing in your life. But God's got a plan for you, and, you're, and you'll say, Lord, if you'll go with me, uh, I'll do it. And would you help me, and would you empower me to do it? And I'll pray for you. Preacher, pray for me. God is speaking to my heart. That's what God is doing in my heart this evening. Yes, sir, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Praise the Lord. Let me pray for you. Father, men and women, on my left and on my right, and in the front and in the middle and in the back, uh, indicating that they just believe that you've got something in store for them. You've got a blessing. And it doesn't have to be like everybody else's. Uh, The blessing, the challenge you have for them is unique, as unique as they are. And I pray that you give them the power, you give them the foresight, you give them the fortitude to be up to the challenge to say, here am I, send me. And that they would be there, they would be counted faithful, they would be counted valiant, and that you would give them the victory, and they would give you the praise and the glory. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here this evening, and you would say, preacher, I'm here, but I do not know Jesus Christ as my Savior Sunday school teacher has talked to me about it. My parents have talked to me about it. My husband, my wife has talked to me about it. But I am not for certain that I am a Christian, that I have embraced Christ and his salvation. Would you pray for me this evening? Because God is speaking to my heart. I need to be saved, and I'll pray for you. Slip your hand up. Hold it up for just a moment. Preacher, pray for me. I need to be saved. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and eyes closed. The invitation will not be long. The piano is playing. The altar is open. You want the preacher to pray for you? I'll be delighted to do that. If you obey us.